Before we consider today's scripture reading and today's message, I want to say a word of gratitude to people who are teaching and leading all over the church, people who are serving in hospitality, people who are serving on our tech team, connecting us now not only live all over the area, but also folks who check in later on on YouTube videos, on the MyFUMC app, social media, all that stuff. Thanks for making those connections possible. My name is Lance Marshall. I'm the senior pastor here at the First United Methodist Church of Fort Worth. And God and I are talking a lot right now. We're in a season where there's a lot of communication going on. And, you know, I talk a lot about prayer as a method of our uh, spiritual growth and development as a part of how it is that we experience God's grace. And I try to demystify prayer as much as possible. It doesn't need to be full of elegant words. It doesn't need to be perfectly fluent. It doesn't need to be theologically deep. At its heart, all prayer is, is speaking to God, just sharing what it is that's in your heart, what's on your mind, what do you have to say. One of the exercises that I teach people when we're kind of going through prayer 101 type situations is just put Jesus in the passenger seat of the car. And as you're driving, just talk to him. What would you say if he was in the passenger seat of the car? And I'll be honest, Jesus has been getting an earful from me right now, uh, but he's very patient. I highly recommend him. And that conversation is always a lot of speaking, it's a lot of expressing, and then it's also a lot of listening. And with humility, not always expecting to hear back, and that's quite all right. But I have a hypothetical I want to share with you. Just want to, want to just start out the conversation today with a hypothetical, with a what if. What if, instead of the normal relationship that you have with God in prayer, which is expressive and involves intercession and asking for things and not really knowing if or how they might be fulfilled in a way that you perfectly understand, or even if they should be. Let me ask instead, if you could ask God for something today, Today, if you could ask God for something today with the knowledge that you would receive it, what would it be? If you were to ask God for something today with the knowledge that you would receive it, what would it be? I really hope that none of you came here with a list of people that need to be smited today. <laughs> uh, if you did, we'll pray for you and also back away from you. No, if you could ask God for something today with the full knowledge that you would receive it, what would you ask? You know, I have a PhD, complete this graduate program. Good. What would you ask for? You know, the first thing that comes into my mind is, is healing. It's healing for so many people that I know and love and care about and pastor and support. It's healing of the body. It's healing of the psyche. It's healing of relationship. I would just first thing I would think of to pray for is pray for healing for those kind of folks. Or maybe if I was thinking even a little bit more globally, I would ask for the end to world hunger, the end to famine, the end to disease. If maybe I started getting a little bit more into my own fears, maybe it would be things like, you know, eternal life or eternal youth or things along those lines. I mean, if you could ask God for something with the knowledge and the fullness that you would receive it, what would you ask for? The truth is, if you start to really dig into some of those things, you can start to see the, the faults in some of those plans, right? You can ask for healing in all these different ways for all these people that you know and love, and yet we know that healing now just does turn into illness later. It doesn't make it a bad thing to hope for. It doesn't make it a bad thing to ask for, but it has limitations. 
You could pray for things like the end to world hunger or, or the end to famine, but there's still something else that's not yet addressed. There's still domestic violence. There's still wars of aggression. There's still all these other things too. Yeah, you could wish for eternal life and the way that we currently have it, just literally living forever, but think that through. I mean, outliving everyone you know and you love over and over and over again, not so great. I mean, what would you really ask for? Think about it. I want to leave you with that hypothetical, and I want to tie that into our scripture reading today. So we're about to start a new sermon series. We're about to start a new sermon series called, I Have My Doubts. And it's about doubts. It's about doubts. It's about doubts that God exists. It's about doubts that Jesus is who he says he is. It's about doubts about whether the Bible is reliable. It's about doubts. And one of the things that I really want to emphasize is that doubts are a part of faith. They're not the enemy of faith. They're not the inverse of faith. If you have doubts, welcome. This is a great place for you. We're going to talk about doubts, and we're going to talk about how doubts are addressed in Scripture, how doubts are addressed in faith, what it is to live with doubts as a part of what enlivens and invigorates your faith. We're going to talk about doubts. Starting next week, we're going to be a sermon series called I Have My Doubts, but right now we're finishing up a sermon series called The Greatest Good News. And the idea of The Greatest Good News is very simple. Too often we've heard about the good news of what God has done in Christ Jesus, that God was incarnate in Christ, God with us, who proclaimed the true nature of who God is, how God loves, what God would have us be, what God would have us do. And Jesus' crucifixion and his death and his resurrection, he collapses the difference that exists between us and God, overcomes the barrier of sin, and offers us life eternal. All of that is absolutely true, and yet there is more and yet there's more. There's more to this good news. There's more to what God is doing in the world of God's people, collapsing the barriers that exist between us and others. There's more that God is doing to pursue us, to change us, to reveal God's self to us and transform our life here and now. There's more that God is doing as far as engaging with us on a day-to-day -day basis. And this sermon series has been all about the fact that the good news is even greater, is even bigger, is even more relevant than you might have ever imagined. We've been talking about that for months now. And I want to conclude with this because I think what's carried in our scripture reading today is much more powerful than we might realize and much more relevant than we give it credit for. So the Apostle Paul, like you've heard here before and may have learned in other communities of faith, didn't start his life as a follower of Jesus. In fact, he was a persecutor of this first generations of Christians. His name was Saul, and he was a Pharisee, and he saw the earliest Christians as Jewish heretics, and he was doing everything he could to not only eradicate their faith, but to eradicate their lives. He was a murderer. He was an accuser. He was a condemner. And that's what he did up until he had an encounter with the risen Jesus, knocked off his horse, blinded, and revealed to him directly by Jesus who Jesus really is and what Jesus is actually about. It wasn't for his own edification. It wasn't just for the transformation of his life. Paul was commissioned and sent out to proclaim the good news of this Jesus, not just for the Jewish community into which Jesus was born and raised, lived and died, but for the transformation of the entire world. Everybody, everywhere, particularly the people who thought that they would never have access to a God like this. 
So that's what Paul's doing. And most of the New Testament is made up of Paul's letters, his communications to churches that had questions, that had struggles, that had needs. And the reason that those letters are Scripture to us is because they communicate God's will, God's purposes, God's love, and God's message to us just as much as they did to those original audiences. And that's what's happening in Rome. This small little house church, smaller than the number of people that are gathered in this room right here today, are trying to faithfully follow Christ. And Paul is communicating to them some incredibly important things. And the key theory that I need you to understand here today is Paul is trying to speak to them in the middle of what we call the now and the not yet. The now and the not yet. Paul is trying to communicate to a community of faith that lives in the now. The now is a world that's been transformed by the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus in a way that could never and will never be undone. There is no going back to a pre-resurrection time. There is no way to go back to a pre-incarnation time. There is no way for the world to go back to a time before it had the revelation of God made known in Christ Jesus. And one of the things that we know because of Jesus is how this all ends. God's creation ends in the fulfillment of God's purposes. Everything reconciled to Christ. Everything as God would have it be. Everything finally set right. That's how all of this ends. And we're not there yet. We live in the now. This has happened. This is true. This is real. This is powerful. This is for you. And this is where it's heading. But it hasn't yet. It hasn't yet. And some of these earliest communities of people who understood that this is what has happened and this is where it's going lived with a human life time frame in mind. And now we're reaching the point where a couple years have gone by, a couple of decades have gone by, and now all of a sudden the not yet is seeming a lot more precarious to everybody, everywhere, and Paul's trying to explain what's going on. One of the things he says you need to know is that God's Spirit is at hand. God's Spirit is present with you in Pentecost. Just last week, we talked about how God's Spirit, what it is to experience the power of God and the knowledge of God and the love of God and the relationship of God that the people of Israel had perceived as coming and going over the course of thousands of years, generation after generation, sometimes present, sometimes active, sometimes at work, and sometimes not. That era has changed. Now God's spirit, God's presence, the ability to know God, to love God, to have your life changed by God is here for you all the time. You need to understand that. And you need to also understand what that means. So the now and the not yet is complicated. It's, it's hard to explain. How can something be imminent and promised and secure and also not yet have happened? This is graduation season all around us. And do you remember that period of time, what it was like to have graduated high school, but you haven't yet walked the stage? I mean, you don't yet have the diploma. You don't yet have the pictures with the robe and the tassels. But good luck anybody trying to tell you what to do. Because <laughs> you are graduated. This is finished. 
Have you ever sold a home? Have you ever in that period between the closing and when the keys actually change hands, maybe it was a couple days, right? It has happened. It is done. It is now, but it's also not yet. That's the season of life that all of us are in right now in relationship to God's ultimate plans and purposes. The crucifixion, the resurrection, that work is complete and yet still not finished. That's where we are. And Paul, talking to this community, says you need to understand that the hallmark of your life and the hallmark of our life is living in this constant connection with God through God's Spirit if you just receive it. And do you realize what an amazing gift this is? Do you realize what this changes? Do you realize what this makes possible? Do you realize how this can transform your relationships with other people? Do you realize how this can address concerns you have in career? Do you realize how this can address issues in your family? Do you realize how this can address concerns in your church? Do you realize the power of actually living this way? It's an amazing gift, a life-changing gift, a world-changing gift. And if you're like me, receiving something amazing and undeserved and unprecedented just makes you immediately think, what if I lose it? I mean, what if I break it? I mean, what if this goes wrong? And maybe think about being a parent. Have y'all as, as parents or, or aunts or uncles, or have you ever given a kid a gift that in your heart of hearts you knew they might not be ready for? Have you ever given them that gift? Uh, let's call it the six-year-old gets an iPad corollary, right? Or we, one of our kids just keeps getting monster trucks every year, and the longest that any of them has lasted is 48 hours. <laughs> Have you ever given a kid a gift they're just not ready for? That's humanity and the spirit. That's the truth. And the people in Rome understand what it's like to live in the relationship with the spirit, but they also see how they're failing it every single day. They can also see in the lives of the people around them and in their own hearts how they're not living up to their end of the bargain. What happens then? And Paul says, you have a God that would not withhold God's own son for you. You have a God that will work all things together for your good. That doesn't mean only good things are going to happen. You've seen that. You know that that's not true. But you have a God that does promise that anything broken or busted, hurting or wrong can be a part of God's great redemption story in your life. And I need you to know this. Nothing, Paul says, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Nothing that you do, nothing that you leave undone, nothing external to you, nothing that you're afraid of, nothing that you fear or hope for can separate you from the love of God no matter what. You live in this now with the Spirit made available to you, but this gift is not fickle and it's not contingent. It is always there no matter what. If I could ask God for anything, I would start with healing. I would start with happiness. 
I would start with security and belonging, much more for myself, but for the people all around me. But then I would see all the ways in which that that wish is contingent. Even the healed people would someday grow ill of something else. Even the happy people would at some point face something that's a challenge that you just can't legitimately be happy in the face of. If I was going to actually ask God for something, I think when I settled down and I really thought about it, the number one thing for which I would ask is, God, just promise that you'll love me. Promise that you'll accept me. Promise me that you won't give up on me. Promise me you will be there for me. Promise me you will pick me up. Promise me you will care for me. And God, let that love, let that acceptance, let that grace, let that care extend beyond the funeral, not just for me, not just for the people I know, not just for my family, not just for my friends, not just for my church, but God, everybody who would hear you and listen to you and love you, God, that's what I ask. And that's what God has already given before I even knew to ask for it. Before you even thought to ask for it, that's what God has done. Your God, your God promises you nothing will separate you from the love of God. What does that make possible for you? What does that answer for you? What could that fix for you? What could that heal for you? What could that assurance do for you, for your spouse, for your children, for the people that you meet? Because guess what? Nothing, neither heights nor depths nor things seen or unseen, nothing you could do or left undone will ever separate you from the love of God. That good news is greater than you've ever realized. May it rest in your heart forever. Let's pray. Great loving God, great are you and greatly to be praised. Today, Lord, we thank you for an answer to a question we hadn't even thought to ask. For a promise given before we ever imagined to request it. God, thank you for promising us of the steadfastness of your love of the resilience of your grace, of the reliability of your presence. God, help us to live into what it is to be in your spirit, understanding that we're not on the verge of losing it. God, with that confidence, with that security, with that belonging, with that significance as a beloved child of yours, change us, shape us, mold us, help us take one more step step towards faith in you today and the next day, and the next. And it's following in the image of your son Jesus and trusting in his promises that together we pray the words that he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.